Hey, massage friends. Welcome to another episode of the USO LMT Massage Podcast. I'm Stephanie, your host and the founder of USO LMT, your modern massage association. Today, I have three special guests here with me, William, April, and Camille, and I'm going to have each of them introduce themselves, and then we'll get into today's topic. Today, we're going to be talking about pricing strategies and advertising. So William, why don't we go ahead and start with you? Sure, sure. Yeah. My name is William. Um, I'm a massage therapist from Birmingham, Alabama. I run my own massage clinic, been doing that for about 10 years. I'm also a massage therapy instructor at the Birmingham School of Massage. And uh, I'm an admin of a massage therapy business owners group, Massage Business Owners. Um, I also run a small marketing business um, called Massage Marketing Club. And just to help uh, other therapists get a head start on uh, marketing properly. Nice. All right. And then April, how about you? I, uh, my name's April Piltz and I am a massage therapist. I've been doing this full time for, this is my 21st year. Second career for me. I started when I was 30. Um, I'm also an educator. I am in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, right on the Pennsylvania, New Jersey border. And I have a small private practice. It's just me. I've got a beautiful space. I have um, longtime clients. I specialize in chronic pain and all the many forms that that takes. And I've been teaching in the last remaining massage education program in my area. Um, I've been there for two years and I was teaching for a a handful of years uh, prior to that. But, uh, you know, we're just... um, we're trying to help the next generation as much as we possibly can. Awesome. We need that. And Camille, how about you? Hi, um, I'm Camille Lang. I am also a massage educator. I've been a massage therapist uh, licensed for the last four years as a physical therapy technician before. So soft tissue manipulation was a part of what I did. And it just kind of led me into the field of massage therapy for more therapeutic approach. Um, I teach at Carrington College to kind of bring the holistic uh, energy side of things with the scientific uh, medical approach. And I think we have a well-rounded group of therapists that come out of the program. Um, it, I was inspired because my own educational experience was a bit rocky with, with blending that together. And um, I have a passion for just seeing therapists come out who are a little more well-rounded and, and grounded in some, some stuff they can support and educate others with. Um, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys all for being on the show. I really appreciate you being here today. I think this is going to be a really good conversation. So I want to start off talking about how to price your services as a massage therapist. So maybe you guys could share a little bit about what are some personal strategies maybe you developed as far as how to price your services and what do you do in your practice? That, um, one thing that you should do is definitely research other people's prices in the area. Um, get a consensus on what the pretty much the median price is for what you're wanting to offer. And then use that as a base to go off of. Don't necessarily um, choose to undercut your competition because that can have um, a negative impact on your business. But um, that would be the first place that I start um, is just researching competition in the area. Well, I say competition. A lot of people don't really see each other as competition. 
and that's my view, but, um, but yeah, doing the research and then determining how much exactly you want to make and how mm-hmm. many massages you're wanting to do per week to make that amount of money. Um, and then, you know, making sure that you go over your overhead that you're going to have for your business, um, making sure that you're actually going to be able to pay the bills. Um, that that's where I would start. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that knowing your overhead numbers is one of the most important things that you need to do in your business. And it's something that a lot of people like kind of shy away from how much am I actually spending every single month? Am I actually doing a budget? Right. So I think that's super important. And surveying the competition is important too. What do you, what do you think about, um, you know how a lot of people they'll look at like the franchise pricing and they'll say, okay, well, maybe I should just do that. What do you guys think about competing with franchise pricing? I I think that's, I don't think we can go ahead. I don't think we can either. I think that's a real slippery slope. Um, I have a a teaching assistant in my program right now and she's, she works, you know, she has a side job at one of our local franchises and she, um, she brought in her contract of, of her employment contract from the franchise that she's working at because she wanted me to look at it and give her my opinion if there's anything strange in there. And the only thing I had an issue with is how little they are paying the massage therapists. I mean, it's like 20 bucks an hour if they're doing 30 hands-on hours a week. That is not sustainable. Um, and we, we have to remember that these franchises have enormous overhead because they're all in shopping centers, right? Shopping center rent, that's crazy. Um, yes. So I, I think it's a whole different business model than what, you know, a solo practitioner like myself or a lot of, a lot of my colleagues are, are, are doing. So yes, the franchises are great because they have brought massage therapy more in front of the public because they're in every shopping center in town. However, um, that business model doesn't work for everyone. That pricing, you know, the whole membership thing, I am not getting involved with that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So I, I wonder if in the current market, if the franchise model is a sustainable one because their overhead's huge and they have a revolving door of therapists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a, for a yeah. variety of reasons. And I, that's exactly what I was thinking when I, I figured we're not, we couldn't on a, on a, in a solo sole proprietor's standpoint, like us as therapists running our own business, we can't compete with that. It doesn't speak to the value and quality of the work that we give and our team gives. It doesn't present the pricing doesn't match up because I, I hate to use the phrase, but like a, a microwave massage is kind of Mm. how I I view it. Having worked in a franchise before, it's kind of like, all right, this is what we do every time. It doesn't change and it's always going to be like that. And uh, and in my own private sessions with my own private clients, it's been a very customized work. So the pricing, it's it's very different. And I'm usually traveling to people that I've worked with. So the prices are going to be significantly different because you're paying for gas, you're paying for the cost of maintenance on a vehicle. So these franchises aren't doing that. They're not giving that 
that customized approach like some people. I'm not saying there's a majority, it's a large population that wants that. And then the rest of the population just, they, they love it. They just want to get in and get out. And that membership pricing works. It's like, I'm guaranteed I can go in, get a, an affordable massage every month. So it, I think it also depends on people's, your, your demographic in your area. What is the poverty line? You know, mm-hmm. what is that mm-hmm. looking like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually kind of my next question is how much do you think that the local customer market income actually matters in massage pricing? Do you guys think that that makes a big difference? I have a lot of opinions and I, uh, I think it does. And I almost would have loved to see massage on a sliding scale. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, just because of, in my local area, my, my zip code alone, I, I mean, we're dealing with people coming out of halfway houses, people who are, are barely able to make it day to day. I would love to see them to be able to get the, the healthcare that they need, including massage, because mm-hmm. They only get like 10 physical therapy sessions and the doctor's going to prescribe the medications and they're still dealing with all this, this stress and anxiety and physical ailments, but they can't afford to even pay $60 for a 60 minute massage. I mean, that's like, that's a lot. And so I I think in maybe like a co-op kind of setting, you'd be able to find a sliding scale working for that kind of population. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're in a larger city where you're, you're blessed to live in an area where you're not surrounded by people living on such a low income, then increase those prices as much as possible. Is it feasible for us? Mm, That's where sacrifice can come in. That's going to be a lot of sacrificing at that point. Mm -hmm. It would be really nice if we could get some grant money to do that, to like grant money for underserved populations that really, really need that help, or even do like community assistance programs. I've thought about doing one in my local area. Um, and I think having the ability to do something like that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I I think, I think how you uh, go into that is, is, I have a handful of colleagues that we all have our own small businesses, but we're also a kind of specialist. Like we, I serve a particular part of the population, my colleague, other colleagues, you know, he does a certain thing that attracts a certain person. Like I think how, you know, how you can determine that depends on who, who's your ideal client. I have a, I have an ideal client. Everyone has an ideal client. Theoretically, we all have a niche, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I think who falls into that niche and what is their lifestyle like can be a huge determining factor as well. Mm -hmm. What do you think, William? Yeah, now where I'm at, um, I'm actually in a high income area. So a lot of the people surrounding me aren't really, they don't have that, um, that hindrance of not being able to afford it. Um, now I have come across it before where there are people who want to come in on a regular basis and need the work, but they have to pretty much like squeeze it into their budget. Um, so we, we actually have a, a membership program for people who want to come in on a monthly basis that give them a discount. And then that actually, you know, there's, that's some wiggle room for them. Um, but yeah, there, there definitely is a, 
uh, a gap and, you know, who can afford it and who can't. And I believe that the massage franchises do offer that, um, that reasonable price for people um, who are in a less than ideal financial situation, which I think is a good thing because, you know, if they need the work and they can't afford our, you know, $90 an hour massage, at least they know that they can go uh, to Massage Envy or, you know, one of the other franchises and get a reasonable, you know, a pretty reasonable price on a massage. Yeah, I do think that that is one of the things that was actually great about the franchise is that they were able to bring massage to a population that had no idea what it was, you know, and also make it affordable for people. And it really helped our industry to grow initially, which I think was mm-hmm. one of the good things about them. Um, but yeah, looking at pricing, I, I keep telling people in our area that they should raise their prices to the non-member price of the franchise at least. And that should be their starting point, right? I think a mm-hmm. lot of therapists will look at um, when they start off, they're like, well, you know, I just, I just got here. I don't really, you know, I need to get clients and they'll look at like that member price of the franchise. And then that's where though their starting point will be, but that's for a person who's coming to their business constantly, right? It's not the actual price. When we look at the non-member price, that is the price that they have decided. And, you know, those companies do like massive market research, right? So that's the price that they actually feel like this market can bear. Right. So if we start there, I think we do better in pricing in independent businesses. Mm -hmm. And if we keep our overhead low, that means more profit. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Now I would say that um, me personally, when I was out of school, about nine months out, I went to work at a franchise. I went to work, um, for about three months while I was starting my own business. And within those three months, I it's, it's like I learned so much about the business side of things. Um, so that is one good thing actually about working at the franchises because you can see how a well-oiled machine uh, works, uh, a functioning massage business. And, you know, i you know, I gathered some things uh, for my own business that I kind of put into place, you know, like the membership model. Membership model is great, not only for the people um, that are coming in, gives them a little bit of a discount, but it also works to make a um, sustainable revenue source, um, something that you can rely on month after month. So you know that you're getting X amount per month. So that's going to cover your bills. You're not worrying about am I going to get, you know, three people on the books this week? Am I going to get 20 people on the books this week? Um, You have that set amount that you know can cover at least some of your expenses. So you have, um, you have something to work with and it's it's not as stressful as a business owner. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely true. That's the one good thing about those membership programs. The only thing I don't really like about the the franchise model membership program is the ones with the contract that actually like lock you in where you can't get out. I feel like that's the worst part about it, you know, but I, in independent practices, I haven't seen very many massage therapists do anything like that. You know, it's like a membership, but you can cancel anytime that you want. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much what we do. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a better way to do that. Um, I want to talk about low priced businesses. I feel like, um, there are a lot of places out in Phoenix and I don't know how they are in your local area, but we have a lot of places that are like $29 for a massage, $39 for a massage. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And you know, these are different styles of businesses or different types of massages, foot spas, reflexology, right? You can go into one of these places and get your $29 massage. And a lot of people go do that. And I feel like I want to talk about that. Like, what, what do you guys think about that? What would you tell people? I got a hand in the ear already. <laughs> yeah. Like how are they paying the um, people doing the actual work? Good so question. I actually, I actually have, without ex- exposing too much information, I, I had the privilege of sitting with, uh, who ended up kind of being my mentor. He's not even a massage therapist, but the man is so educated in business, uh, uh, Dr. Lamarcus Hudson, he told me that probably the future would be looking like reflexology. And then having gotten to work in an Asian um, spa under somebody who came straight over here from like Malaysia and China, um, understanding that they brought what they do there and they bring it here. And they're basically running it the like, same way that they run their, their businesses over there. And that's why the prices are so low because they're willing to work a 12 hour day. They're relying on, they're volume. willing, they're relying on volume. So they mm-hmm. cut their prices mm-hmm. super low. They're busting their butts all day. And I, it's a beautiful thing to witness, you know, that kind of work ethic, but also I realize it's not it's not feasible for the long haul. I mean, those are those massage therapists that are only able to last for like maybe five years, five or six years, and then they got to stop. But that business is going because uh, I might not want to get my whole body worked on. There's a lot of people who are intimidated by the intimacy of massage. And mm. if I can go in and feel relaxed from somebody massaging my feet and only have to spend, spend I think I, the lowest price I saw out here was like $35 for a 30 minute. I'm fine. That's perfect. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who do it. And I, I think if we have to maybe draw the line between what is a therapeutic or a full massage versus like a relaxing and stress relieving physical modality, like, I think that might be where we have to draw the line. And that's just my thought process on it. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we do have some uh, just a handful of, of, of that kind of business uh, set up here. But I think that in this area, uh, people are just suspicious of places like that. People think this can't be real. This can't be legit. So they tend to shy away from it. Um, having never been to one, I can't really say what their, what, what their model looks like on the inside. But the general se- sense that I get from talking about it with clients potential clients is they just they feel those places they're kind of sketchy so out around here there you know a lot of people avoid them because they just don't trust it mm-hmm. yeah now um in birmingham we do have a few of those but um one thing that i've kind of come to conclusion on is a lot of those businesses are using the terms acupressure and reflexology and things like that to get around um, licensing issues. Mm-hmm. So um, they avoid the boards by labeling themselves something that can't be considered um, technically massage. 
So they don't, they're unlicensed. They're, um, they're not having to pay the board fees and all that good stuff. Um, and that's usually um, how those places operate around here. The ones that you say, uh, like we have a mall and they're, it's like, we've been trying to get the board on them for a while because they, you know, offer chair massages, but they don't have any licensure, or at least they didn't a few years ago. That might've changed now. Um, but yeah, like they were just operating chair massages in the mall, no, um, no regulation or anything. So that, that's my take on it. It's, it's a way to skirt around um, state boards. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly what it is, given uh, knowing the environment I worked at. I'm so grateful. Um, you know, the owners that I worked with, our licensed massage therapists got around the language barrier to get through the boards and everything. But because I know a lot of people don't, and unfortunately, um, here here in the specific, specific city, it's a front for more than just somebody who doesn't want to like be licensed. It's a front for other things. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I know at least here, the board's cracking down heavy on trying to shut those kind of establishments down. Um, But it's going to be a while, I think, before we eliminate that happening. Um, Unfortunately, it's going to be a while. Yeah. In Arizona, just in the Phoenix metro area, we have about 300 of those businesses. Wow. We have a lot, a lot, Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that every single one of them or even assume every single one of them was illegitimate or, you know, unlicensed or didn't know what they were doing or was doing something shady because there's so many of them and we have a lot of influx of, you know, a different cultures and backgrounds here. And so, you know, there are businesses out there that are definitely legitimate and licensed and all of that, but there are also a lot that are or not. Um, you know, and our board, like we don't have, they don't really have any authority over any of those businesses because their, their authority is over the licensed massage practitioner. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Uh, it makes a big difference. mm -hmm. It's unfortunate in that regard, but I, I still believe massage can, can prevail through all of that. Um, because it's, if there are shady things happening, you know, it's, it'll be found out eventually. Yeah. 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 I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to mention one more thing on the pricing stuff. So, um, I don't know if you guys know uh, much about Scottsdale, Arizona, but Scottsdale, Arizona is one of our, like, you know, it's one of our richest cities. It's, um, you know, it's diverse. We've got nightclubs everywhere. We've got high-end hotels. We've got resorts, right? This place is, you know, it's a phenomenal place to come and visit and live and work. And, um, therapists who work there usually will make a lot more money than they do anywhere else in Arizona because of the, um, you know, that high end vibe that we have out there. A lot of rich clients come out, a lot of movie stars and stuff like that. They come visit. And so, I worked in Scottsdale for most of the time that I was a massage therapist. But one of the things that I would like to mention about pricing is because when I first was in school, I was a front desk person for a, um, more of a day spa. It was a really small franchise that you probably never heard of called Cology. And when I worked there, our prices were like 
I want to say it was like $49 for an introductory massage for your first one. Um, you know, and then the prices would go up, but we would have people that had so much money and they would come in there and they would say, you know, we give them their form to fill out and they wouldn't want to do it. They'd be like, no, I don't need this. And I'd be like, well, you, but you need it because you have to like, <laughs> you have to get a massage. You have to fill out a form, you know, and they would give us so much grief at the front desk, paying those little tiny prices, right? They're paying $49 and they're giving us the most grief that I've ever experienced in a massage business, right? And so one of the things that I would really like to say is the lower your prices, sometimes your clientele can just be even more demanding than they would be at your high prices, right? And I've worked at a five diamond resort. Our prices were $175 for your basic signature massage. All those people were happy. They never complained. We never had any issues like that with those, with that type of clientele. So have you guys had that kind of experience or seen anything like that? It was crazy. That is crazy. I can't say I've had that experience. No, no. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I have seen it. I have seen it. I've seen it. Um, And probably maybe it is, I don't know. And it, it makes it sound like it's, uh, they're used to being catered to that because they have the money. I know, uh, think of like a valet kind of situation, just used to kind of being catered to and doted on and servitude and, and a lot of that mindset towards them that they forget that, um, there's a process and a protocol to it. Um, I have seen it actually a lot, (laughs) uh, just in this last weekend, I, it wasn't even a massage related event. We had people who were used to that kind of service and they looked at our staff and were like, why are you taking breaks? Why are these, why are people sitting down? And I, I was concerned to even hear that. I was like, what is, where's your humanitarian side? <laughs> but um, I, I think it's kind of, kind of grooming and training because they're used to going into like a, like a resort, like a Miraval, like Oprah Winfrey goes into Miraval and it's, huh. And it's a pretty quick process. I think even maybe their, their intake process is a little quicker versus like they expect it all to be done when they check into a hotel. Everything is on paper, ready to go. I can just walk in when I'm ready, right? Um, however, that's not the reality. That's not how the real world works. And again, that's when I bring it in, it's reminding people this is, a, this is a medical practice. Just like you walk into your doctor's office, they ask you to fill out a form, update your medical history. We're doing the same thing. Now, I think that um, the reason that I haven't experienced it is because I do run a, a massage clinic. It's not necessarily, we don't do like spa type services. So we really just focus on um, people with chronic pain. So that might be mm-hmm. why I don't get much of that. Me either. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that yeah. makes a huge difference in how, yeah. in the type of clientele that you're dealing with and, and how much they're willing to pay for your services. You know, I feel like somebody who is in pain and really needs that help getting out of it. Sometimes those people are willing to drop whatever it is to get out of pain and feel better. Yes. And oftentimes they come to massage sort of late in their process where they have tried, you know, all these other things, or they've tried, you know, a whole host of pharmaceuticals that their physicians recommended, and they just didn't see the results. So, yeah, we do tend to be a little farther down on the list of, 
of, of things to try to help alleviate, especially for my clients with the chronic pain. I don't know how we get higher on that list. I don't, I'm not quite sure how we go about doing that, but yeah. So I have a long form to fill out because my clients tend to have a long and complicated medical history. And I need to know everything that, you know, that will help me help them. So yeah, so they're used to filling out paperwork on top of paperwork <laughs> and updating me every time they come in because things change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is in regard to pricing though, I, I guess if they're seeing something that's such an, uh, uh, an affordable price, I put quotes around that because affordable's perspective, depending on your income, you mm-hmm. know, uh, if it's such an affordable price, then it's like, I, I'm going to McDonald's and I want it now. I want my food now. It should be prepared and ready to go kind of mindset. Yeah. And I, I think that would be the best way to describe it is if it's, if we're not paying the eight, $8,000, that's, that's a ridiculous amount for a massage and $8,000, $8,000 for a massage, you know, then we'd all be rich. If I'm, we'd all yeah. be rich. <laughs> I, I could do one massage a month and I'd be rolling in it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if, if they're not spending money like that, it's, it's like less than a car payment. Then of course it's like, I want it. I want to come in. I want to go out. And I think you both hit it right there. Is if, if it's therapeutic, if they're coming in because they have a purpose for their massage, then they're going to understand. But in a day spa, they don't realize that we need to know, are you allergic to lavender? We need yeah. to know, can you, are you on blood pressure meds in, in the case of you having a heat stroke in the spa or something like we need to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, people don't realize that there are a lot of fine things in, in the course of getting a massage or the process that could affect them adversely. And, you know, then they'd want to sue if something happened. So, you know, yeah. it's a, and- and they aren't necessarily looking to build a relationship. They're just, they want to, they're in, they have this, this hour, they want to use it for this thing and get out and get on with their lives. Mm-hmm. They're not looking exactly. to build a relationship with that therapist or that business. And that's, yeah, that's a whole different thing. Let's fast food massage, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, William, have I heard from you for a second? Have you heard the whole thing about t- trading your time for money? I'm sure you have in like some of those business groups and stuff like that. Therapists have been talking about it for a couple of years that we shouldn't be trading our time for money. Maybe we should be trading our time for results. What do you think about that? Now, um, now could you, could you go into a little bit depth about trading your time for results? Right. So maybe instead of charging for an hour, you charge for a result. You say, okay, I help people get out of lower back pain. And in three sessions, we can do that. And then you charge accordingly to make that happen. So Um, instead of, and it could be your session is 15 minutes. It could be your session is an hour. It just depends on how long it is, but they're what you're actually charging those people for is a result. And a lot of therapists have picked up on that idea and they're charging more because they know that they can get this kind of result with their clients. So I'm curious what, what you guys think about that. I feel like that's kind of a new, a new concept, a new idea, you know, something that we could try, but what do you think? Um, I think that um, now um, I've never tried it before, so I can't say from personal experience, but just from 
hearing about that, it sounds like you might be setting yourself up for a lot of problems. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can't guarantee the results. Um, People are different. Um, You're not going to get the same results for everybody. Um, It's raising high expectations for the client. Um, So I just, I, I don't think that me personally being in a clinical setting and guaranteeing a specific result could damage my reputation if I if I'm not able to follow through. Now I will try to follow through with that to the best of my ability because that's what I do as a massage therapist. You know, I, my whole purpose is to get people feeling better, but there are some people that I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so and also too the client's expectations of time on the massage mm-hmm. table. If they're mm-hmm. there for 15 minutes and they paid you you know, a hundred dollars, I'd be, I'd be upset because then it would be like, oh, well, they can charge me this amount and spend how much ever time they want to as a client, this client's perspective. So um, they could just be saying, okay, yeah, that's the session right there just because they want to stop. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that could that's become a scheduling nightmare too. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how are you going to schedule? How are you going to have online scheduling? Um, yeah right and how are you going to keep your schedule streamlined like how are you going to i think you you, it's a really good point william about about raising expectations that you may not be able to deliver i think that model might work well for some really experienced therapists who have some real confidence in a certain technique but even then like you said like the same the same set of tools does not work the same way on everyone so I, I, I think that that's going to, that would be a hard sell in my practice, definitely a hard sell because people are like, well, you know, but I, I want this for, I want this value, this value of time for my money. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it, to make that switch would be a leap for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I there's always something really to work points. on too, you know? Yeah. It's like, there's always something extra to work on. Like I could spend about three hours with a, client and still have stuff to work on so mm-hmm. so t- saying that you're you know producing this result with you know just 15 minutes of time there are a whole host of other things that could have been worked on and I think it I think that could play into the the sounds too good to be true mentality and people will start to question it yeah especially Absolutely. if it doesn't work and then they'll start leaving you mm-hmm. bad reviews uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that that's a huge promise that, that I don't know that any of us could really fulfill across the board or consistently enough to to be able to market that way I, or to be able to market that way and have it be smart. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a very slippery slope. That's a that's a weird direction to want to take it. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine a massage session that yes, you get results in that session, right? Or after a couple of sessions, but the only kind of modality or whatever I would even imagine it works for is like a neural reset where you're just tricking the nervous system long enough to give the result, but that if their body, if they're not treating their body mechanics, right, they're not taking care of themselves, that's going to un- undo itself. And then now you may have that, that bad review. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's old. That's a that's an interesting thought process. Where did that come from? 
Yeah. There was a couple of coaches that I've talked to that have, that were teaching that sort of business model to just really start to, um, price for your results that you're providing, not necessarily for your time. And I thought it was interesting. I, I think I probably saw it come up, um, online maybe a couple of years ago. I don't really hear it much anymore though. So whoever was teaching it has probably kind of like not like, as much. It doesn't work. Yeah. yeah not as much anymore. Um, but I still think, you know, I think the idea could be interesting, but I know like I've worked on so many clients and you know, low back pain. Like that's one of my things. I'm really good at it. Right. Dealing with, you know, the psoas and the QL and all the, you know, all the different muscles that are involved in low back pain. And, but I know that no matter how much I tried the same technique on so many people, most of the time it worked, but sometimes it just did not. And then I would have to send to somebody else. I would be like, I, I don't know. (laughs) I tried. Yeah. Yeah. That puts me in the mindset of what I had a client who was coming in for low back pain regularly. And then I started realizing, you know, anything we did with the psoas, all this other stuff, it just wasn't working. I was like, I think you should see a medical professional. I come to find out it had nothing to do with their muscles. They had an abscess growing Mm. through their, like around their connective tissue. Like I, I couldn't fix that. Or even known it was there. Yeah. Yes. So I, if I was doing that, that would have been a, I would have been a hole in their pocket for no reason. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's switch gears. Let's talk about advertising. Advertising is fun. So, um, I kind of wanted William to sort of lead this conversation a little bit and tell us more about his background. So you have like Google ad certification, right? Is that what I heard? Yeah, I have, I have Google ad certification, but I mean, um, uh, I got that certification last year, but I've been practicing uh, running Google ads for about nine, going on 10 years now, um, as well as Facebook ads. I just haven't got certifications in Facebook. Um, so my main um, my main uh, focus is on paid advertising. But now I just love advertising in general. Um, it's just it's neat to see how people respond to certain things. Um, but now I'm going to be honest in my first five years doing it, terrible results, <laughs> um, <laughs> terrible. Um, I, it wasn't until about five years in that I really started to get the hang of it and develop a good, um, good strategy and good systems in place to make sure that the advertising worked. Um, and then that's why, you know, I started the, um, the group, the, um, massage business owners group. So I could, you know, kind of point people in the right direction when they weren't sure of what to do. So they could avoid all of the mishaps that I I went through in marketing my massage business. I started, I started out and um, somebody convinced me to do um, radio ad spots. And that was, that was a mistake. Um, you know, $600 a month, the radio ads on like, people still listen to the radio. Yeah, I know. (laughs) What was I thinking? You know, but you know, um, gullible me, you know, listen to the salesman and, you know, there are a lot of them out there. They're going to make their platform seem like it's like the number one thing that you need for your business. It's going to get you all your business. Um, be very wary of people just reaching out to you um, mm. and other platforms that aren't as um, reputable 
So I always say stick with, if you're going to do any kind of um, paid advertising online, stick with reputable sources. I say Google and Facebook, they're the go-tos, you know, TikTok's getting big. Um, but other than paid advertising, I think that it's, well, let me put it this way. So the big problem that a lot of therapists have with advertising or marketing their massage business is planning. So there's a lot of winging it, um, mm -hmm. no plans in place. They just throw something out there and hope that they, they get something back. And it mm -hmm. just doesn't work like that. Mm -mm. A lot of therapists will get jaded from marketing their massage business because they say, oh, nothing works. Um, Facebook ads don't work. Google ads don't work. The thing is, it's like all you did was say, hey, book a massage and then send it out to, you know, people on Facebook. It's like there's no planning. There's no strategy behind that. Um, the planning and the strategy is where you get the results. The ads mm -hmm. are just a, um, a vehicle for that strategy. So and that's, that's with anything, any kind of marketing that you do. You're going to have to have a plan, a strategy in place to get the results that you want. Have a goal in mind that you want to achieve, whether it be with ads, um, giveaways like social media giveaways, chair massage events, things like that. You know, don't just hand out your card and hope that they call. By the time that they get in their car, they're they're going to throw that card in the floorboard and they're never going to see it again because it's going to, you know, it's going to get it dirty and thrown away with the rest of the trash. Um, so always have a plan in place. Um, make sure you've outlined everything to a T that leads that person to scheduling a massage. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're, you're going to be out a whole lot of money. I think the big mistake that a lot of therapists made is, and you touched upon this, the casting too broad of a net. I think a lot of people, um, they haven't narrowed down who exactly it is that they're looking for. Who is their ideal client? Who are they marketing to? Because you can't just market to everybody and hope that one of those thousands of people calls your number, or, you know, visits your website or gets on your table. I think that, um, yeah, like you said, there's, there's a, a lot of people are lacking in, in strategy, but as an educator, I know a lot of that comes down to, um, just that being lacking in, in, in our training programs of, of figuring out, you know, how to get people on your table so that you can show off your fantastic hands-on skills, but you can't market to everyone at the same time. You have to figure out who's your ideal client and, and how, where are they? How do you reach them? Yeah. If you're speaking to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. Exactly. It's yep. like noise. Just white noise happening at that point. Um, so then, when you're talking to therapists and them developing, developing their strategy, like I, I can't imagine knowing that they're coming out with maybe this much knowledge about any type of advertising. I, I, I tend to try to because I've thought about it myself with this, um, trying to get the students because a lot of the students want to come out and be business owners. Um, really letting them know to identify their hands and separate their hands, knowing what their hands can do. 
like if they were to give them a personality and that's that's what I always tell them when when if they're advertising so I have one student in particular they have plans on becoming a chiropractor but for now they know that all they want to do is work with people who have medical conditions and so that's their advertising vein and you're right I'm I'm on board with it's like book a massage <laughs> 15 days later <laughs> book a massage <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, no one's booked a massage, right? <laughs> I yeah, exactly. I mean, even so far as like when you have your cards to avoid like the because I this is something that we do with the little cards, clip peppermint on it, something so that they see that card, they're not going to forget it. Even if they throw them in, they're gonna be like, wait, what is this peppermint doing here? I didn't eat that peppermint. Then there's a card attached to it. Or um I've seen the craziest business cards these days. There was one that was a wood carving business and they actually had their QR code for their website where it burned into the wood. No one's oh, going to cool. throw away a, a designed piece of wood. Like it's a really cool design. Okay, I picked this up for a reason. You scan the QR code, it takes you straight to the website. So, I mean, that's a unique way that I've seen things done, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, I, know, I, I'm here to just glean <laughs> what you guys are saying. I have, I have to say that and I don't exactly know how I got here, but I am at a point right now where I am questioning whether or not I can take on new clients because my schedule is so full. So currently I'm not really advertising at all. I mean, of course it's the old standards of, of word of mouth of, of my clients send their friends, relatives, you know, people in, in their circle. And, and that has been the biggest part of my growth, but you know, I have my, I have a business Facebook page and I have a website and I, you know, I have a Google business listing, but I, at this point, I, I really don't really need to advertise. I don't know how long that's going to last. And I'm grateful for every day that my schedule stays full, but I don't exactly know how I got here either. I don't know right. what of my, the minimal advertising I have done, like what the biggest payoff has been other than the traditional word of mouth or you know a lot of my clients know each other um because they've all you know they're all in the same kind of circles oh you got to go see april she helped me out with this problem so word of mouth i think is still the biggest thing but we have so we have so many broader ways to achieve that because we have social media now we have you know we have sort of a general uh, broader net of of word of mouth to people can oh i saw april for a massage today on their facebook page or their are there that's the only one i do the other social media sites so that that you know helps but i don't like other than that i don't really currently i'm not paying for any advertising and it's fantastic oh that's awesome yeah, yeah that's nice it's really good save that money <laughs> yeah exactly so I know there is a business here in Tucson that figured out this, the online way of advertising. I mean, they do it so well that anytime I'm on Instagram, I see an ad for them. And I think they followed that model that William was talking about because they do give, they have giveaways, they give out gift certificates, they partnered with another business in town to work with them as far as doing massage advertising. And so it, Knowing that social, let's be honest, social media is the future. I think maybe uh, knowing the the pool of therapists that I'm 
aware of. They're not too deep in the social media arena because they're older therapists. You know, they've mm-hmm. graduated from massage school 20, 30 years ago. And so <laughs> like me, yeah. <laughs> so what is what does a TikTok ad look like <laughs> for right. a massage therapist? And separating that from what you do see on TikTok, you know, I'm I'm of a younger generation. So I'm like, I see what massage looks like on TikTok. And it is not, it's not massage. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you make that ad happen? How do you really get people on board? Because if we are saying a demographic that is not in their early twenties, they're not a TikTok generation. How are we getting the ads to them? Because maybe they're not even social media. Word of mouth would be the last result that I think we have. Mm-hmm. And it's always been the most reliable. It's always been the most reliable because you know, we forget for the general public that massage is kind of weird. Like you go to someone's office, you, you take your clothes off, you lie down. <laughs> it's weird. Right. And, and I think when someone that they trust says, oh, I, I have this great therapist, you should go see her. Having that bridge of trust already in place that someone they know and trust, trust you can be huge. And I don't know that there's any way to replace that or to communicate that through any other way than, than word of mouth, right? Because it, trust is huge, especially if I'm working on a lot of um, women of a certain generation. My, the majority of my clients are in their 60s, maybe 70s, the majority mm-hmm. of them. So they're not social media savvy. It's, quite a few of them are on Facebook, but it's, it's minimal. Um, but they, you know, it's like the sewing circle. They, they talk to each other. Right. And they talk to their friends and their family members. And that's how that's how it's probably been my hugest source of advertising is a couple of, you know, 65 year old ladies who tell all their friends and lo and behold, they're in my book now. So, <laughs> yeah, working with seniors is a good idea because they definitely talk a lot and they talk to they each do. other. <laughs> they do. And they have a lot of the same physical problems. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, so did you guys hear Google My Business? So you guys had talked about that. I read that Google My Business is actually going to be going away and I heard they're going to be switching that. to Google Maps. So if you want to register your business after yeah. they do this, the switch is going to happen and then you have to register your business through Google Maps. So probably something that therapists should keep in mind if they haven't gotten on there yet. Have you heard about yeah, that, they- William? Yeah. They do that uh, every so often. I think that they yeah. their last one was uh, Google Plus. Like, and yeah. there's still people out there talking about Google Plus that have not realized that it went away like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, they they'll do that every once in a while. Um, and I think it's probably going to be the exact same thing, um, just on maps. Um, you know, you're still going to have, you're probably still going to have your reviews and everything like that. You're just going to be showing up in the map section rather than having a, like a social media type profile like it is now. Cause when I got started, it was Google, it was Google plus, and it was way different. And they tried to do the Google, my business, like a social media platform, let you, you know, post things and, um, you know, put out little messages here and there. And then that was really awesome. That got, um, that got a lot of attention for my business, which kind of sad to see it's going away. Um, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to add just as much, if not more features to get businesses seen. 
on this platform. So I'm kind of excited about, uh, about seeing it and using it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love it as a consumer. I think I'm driving on a, I'm on a street. I'm trying to find something. Uh, I want them to suggest if I'm looking for something in my neighborhood, I want them to show me all the local massage businesses right there on my map. It's the most convenient way. And I think you'll see probably a greater influx of business because of them switching over to maps. More people use Google maps or Apple maps, which is still linked to Google in one way or another, they're going to still get that information and maybe you'll start to see a a greater number of people coming in. Mm -hmm. The the people that I get from my Google business list are people who call and say, can I get in today? Uh, No. (laughs) So I haven't seen a huge, a huge payoff from that. Sometimes it leads them to my website, but it's mostly people who are just, I guess, cold calling around and saying, do you have anything open today? Uh, and who knows do how, that. Yeah, who knows how far down I am on on their list of calls of places that said, yeah, not going to happen. But yes, but but I can usually tell if it's somebody who um, says, do you have any openings today? It's usually somebody who found me on Google. Mm-hmm. And I usually am like, yeah, no, I'm booked about a month out. I can't help it. <laughs> what do you guys think about discount sites like Groupon? Oh, I think that's a nightmare. they hounded me for a a long time and i you know they they want to discount your services and then pay you a percentage of that half i can't like they 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 want to charge half and they want to give you a quarter Mm -hmm. i was like yeah i can't pay my overhead with that so no thank you and i know a lot of therapists who've done that and ended up like operating at a loss because of it Lots of people were coming in. They weren't necessarily rebooking because they're, you know, they're bargain shoppers. Um, and after a month of, of Groupon people, at the end of the month, their numbers showed they operated at a loss instead of a profit. I think it's, yeah. a, I think it's, I think it's a real tricky spot because it doesn't no. necessarily lead to repeat clientele. It leads to, you know, they're going to bargain shop who's on Groupon next week or next month instead of coming back to you mm-hmm. now um i would actually say that a lot of that is due to poor planning and strategy because when i started out i actually used um it was living social at the time which is pretty much groupon um But what I did is I just didn't accept what they were offering me. I I told them what I could afford to do this for and the price cut that I was, we were going to advertise the massage for. So it wasn't the 50% off like most places. It was about a 25% and I was able to negotiate a 60% split on in my favor. So I was able to get a little bit more. Um, never take what they're offering. <laughs> Always try for a better deal. Um, yes. Now, with that, sorry for moving around a bit. Um, with that, what I did was I took those clients and I developed a rebooking strategy for them. What I did was whenever somebody came in from those Groupons, I would give them an in-depth consult- consultation just like I would with anybody else. A lot of therapists, when they do the 
Groupons, they're like, okay, these people are never good. They have this expectation that the people are never going to come in again. So there's like, they don't try as hard. So they don't give their, they don't give a hundred percent like they would with somebody coming in paying full price. Um, but what I did is I, I treated them just like any other client, took my time with their intake, um, gave them a plan, uh, a pretty much like a treatment plan or a session plan for their next session. And then ask for the rebook, tell them that, you know, I've got this time right here next week um, or, you know, two weeks from now, um, can we go ahead and get you in? And I had so many rebooks from group or not group on uh, living social that that built my business that those first five years. Um, I had people coming in that were chiropractors, physicians, um, all out of living social that were just trying to search around. It's not necessarily all um, discount shoppers. There are people who are trying out different therapists. And that's a way to get um, get an idea of a bunch of therapists in the area without spending a ton of money. Um, so so I'm I'm in favor of. Uh, doing Groupons and things like that, as long as you have a plan in place that can pay off for you. Um, if you don't have a plan, just avoid it. Um, but yeah, with a good rebooking strategy, uh, Groupon and Living Social can work for you. Um, you just have to figure out if you're willing to take the cut and pay now for a regular client later. Because what I saw it as is um, just a marketing expense, that price cut. I wasn't, you know, working on uh, five people a day at that point. You know, I was just trying to fill my books. Anything would have been more than what I was getting at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. I definitely had that same experience when I started my business too. I, I did a group on and I had people that are in Arizona, people travel, you know what I mean? So a lot of those customers, um, are coming in from other places and, you know, maybe they're older, they're a snowbird or something, and they're not here very long. And that's a lot of the people that I was getting coming into my practice. Um, so I, I, I would always ask them to rebook, but a lot of times they didn't, you know, because they didn't even live here. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I experienced with the group on, um, I, I did end up having just the, you know, crappy 50% deal, but I still made quite a bit of money in the first couple months of my practice because a lot of people were coming in on it anyways, and I didn't have to do a lot. Right. So my focus could really be on actually like building up my practice and, you know, making sure that all of my protocols and all, all of my business stuff, you know, was like in place. So it gave me a little bit more time to focus on that and not have to worry so much about marketing and clients. And so I kind of liked it, um, you know, but then eventually I just kind of like backed off on that because, you know, I wanted to have actual real clients pay my real prices and coming <laughs> back, you know? Um, the other thing was like when I was working at the franchises, um, during our slow times, they would use those to fill in clients. And it's kind of the same in our day spas and franchises in Arizona, because we're like a tourist place and people come here and they visit for five or six months and then they go back home, right? They want to get out of the cold weather. They come here. And during those times, especially in the summer, like it is dead here. You know, you only have your locals that's it. And we don't want to leave the house because we're going to die when we go outside. So 
<laughs> so like, uh, it gets really, really slow. And during those times, you know, running those Groupons can actually really help just to get people, you know, coming in the door if you don't have anybody. So in that case, I don't think it's terrible, you know, at the same time, like if there are other ways to do it, I would recommend those ways, but you know, if it's like your last resort and you got to do it, then why not do it? Yeah, it's what definitely think, not you know? ideal. Yeah. Um, it's not, but it's easy marketing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Camille, do you have thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, I I actually, I, I love and hearing what you and you and William, because William was kind of saying the things that were in my mind about how you should approach that is use the power of negotiation whenever you're making a business deal, because you shouldn't just accept, you have the right to discuss with a business that you're going to partner with, regardless how much your discounts are going to be. Don't, don't burn a hole in your own business because you, you really hungry for those clientele, but um, also using it as a, as a tool. Cause I'm thinking of that same thing. We're kind of a seasonal season. We have seasons in Arizona. And so using it to buff when that slow season comes in, because people, people are still looking for massage, but they're every day, you know, Joe and Susan, who they just want their massages and they don't want to go to the franchise. Maybe they want to find somebody a little more authentic might be their, their thought process is a word I hear down here in Tucson is authentic. And um, it's, it's a good way to kind of like buffer your, your income. So you're not dealing with all that overhead in those slower months. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I ha- I personally have not been ex- had any experience with it. Um, I remember living social. Gosh, that's that's a while ago now. I liked um, living social. I used it a lot. <laughs> but sorry, I have a cat now on my lap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mine's here too. <laughs> it's behind <okay>. me. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like, um, I feel like we, that was a really good discussion though, a different perspective. I think there's some people who are just like, no, I'm never going to do that. No. Right. And then there's other people who are like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it could work for me, but how do I make it actually work for me? I think it comes back to, um, is that, is that the, is that the demographic? Is that the clientele you're looking for? Are those, are those your people? I I just didn't, I don't think that those are my people, but then Mm -hmm. maybe somebody else's. Yeah. Yeah. So I just have a couple more questions about this and then we'll wrap this up. But, um, the first one is William, how much money should we spend on ads? Now, um, that's it. There's variables, (laughs) variables to that. Um, but me personally, I have a small team. Um, when we need uh, get to get people in, I usually spend about three hundred um, a month on a team of three. Um, so about a hundred dollars a person. Um, I suggest if you're going to be doing anything for yourself, starting out with at least a hundred and fifty um, for paid advertising um, or paid online advertising. Um, but yeah, I, I have about a $150 budget for Google ads each month. And I was doing about 300 for, um, Facebook. And I usually off of that, I get about 30 plus leads per month. 
So it more than pays for itself. Um, usually on average, they say with Google ads for every dollar that you put in, you can expect to get about eight in return or for every two. Yeah. For every dollar, I think it's every dollar you get about eight in return. So, um, but yeah, at least 150 a month. Um, just make sure that if you're doing the advertising on your own, you learn the platforms as much as you can. You have a plan, you have a strategy in place. You're not just placing an ad and hoping that it gets some people in. Um, so do your research, um, put at least 150 on it <laughs> um, and you should have some returns. And it just keeps, if you're doing it yourself, you'll only keep getting better. You know, at first it's kind of disheartening because you're just playing around with it. Um, you're trying to learn what works and what doesn't for your particular clientele. But over time, you'll see more and more results as you keep uh, testing your ads and trying new ads out. Um, I have a question on the, like the Facebook ads too. So I've been seeing a lot more video ads popping up in my feed. Um, what do you think that those have better results than a static ad now? From um, what I've heard is that video ads are cheaper. <laughs> um, so that might be why you're seeing such an influx of video ads, because the cost of just your standard ads um, on Facebook and Google, um, any marketing platform, the ad costs are steadily climbing. So um, right now with video, um, like doing stuff with video, it's a little bit cheaper per impression. So there's probably, yes, it probably is a better return on it, um, but simply because of that. Um, Google ads, I mean, uh, the video ads for Facebook, um, video ads for YouTube, and TikTok ads are right now the cheapest um, for um, um, per view. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. I feel like on TikTok too, it would be easy maybe not easy, but easier than some other platforms like Instagram or whatever, to even leverage the power of like an influencer around your local area. So if there's somebody that you run into, you know, like, like Camille, you're in Tucson, right? So you're just going to search like hashtag Tucson and find somebody out there who has, you know, a ton of followers. And then you can just message them, talk to them and be like, Hey, could you promote this? Or would you promote this? If I give you, you know, a hundred dollars or $200, like how would you do that? And then let them promote it to the local area. And I mean, I really think that I think that over the next couple of years, we're going to start seeing more, more millennials and more Gen Z and more of our younger generations starting to pick up massage therapy and get that. I feel like our society has been so stressed over the last couple of years. <laughs> they need it really bad. Right. And, um, and I think that they're going to start wanting to get that too. They're really concerned about their health and their well-being, and they're dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression and stuff, you know, that we've always dealt with, but I think they're more concerned about it than we, you know, we ever were in like Gen X or whatever. <laughs> right. But and I, I think care. they've, I think they've just, they've had more um, crises jam packed yeah. into their relatively short lives. I have a, a my younger brother is my half brother. He's 27 and he's just a super like cynical, stressed out kid. But I think about all the things that have taken place in his lifetime. And I was like, yeah, at least yeah. in my lifetime, things were spread out. 
Mm-hmm. No, we had you know, it back 20, to back. Yeah, the 20-somethings <laughs> yeah. have had it back to back. You know, he was like six years old when 9-11 happened. So it's just mm-hmm. been like one crisis or disaster after another with not a lot of time for things to level out in between. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about, about these younger generations just being super stressed, super mm-hmm. stressed. They need us. They need us they, really bad. They need us, yeah. Yeah, and so getting on TikTok, if you're a massage therapist and you're listening to this and you haven't done it yet, do it, do it because (laughs) it's a huge marketing avenue for you that is practically untapped right right now. So again, if if, if your market is TikTokers, then go for it by all means. Yeah. Because you'll get all kinds of people from TikTok. You're going to get the kids. You're going to get the mom. You're going to get grandma because uh, all it takes is for one teenager to love your video. And now they're sharing it with their whole family. And now they're like, oh, who is this? What's this business all about? So as far as advertising sources, um, how about free advertising? Is there anything that you can think of that we might be able to recommend to a therapist, like just starting out besides word of mouth, obviously, because that's a lot of free advertising, but where else could they, um, could they do that and help themselves out a little bit? Chair massage. Yes. Doing chair massage demos. Oh. That is your biggest. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I stopped doing chair massage um, at the start of the p- pandemic and I miss it so much um, because you, it's like you always get people from it. Um, like I said, you know, but you have to have a plan. But um, if you have a plan, you can usually grab a couple of clients out of each uh, chair massage demo. Um, a few things that I would suggest doing if you're going to be doing chair massage events is if you're not having to pay to be there don't make people pay to get on your massage chair that's it's going to be advertising for you give them about a five minute demo um don't just give them a card you know have a strategy in place to get them on the books right then and there offer them maybe a discount for booking a session right then um, so that way you've already got your uh, appointment on the books. They get a, you know, whatever discount that you're going to be giving. And um, that way you don't have to wonder when they're going to come in or if they're going to come in. You've already got them on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, love that. I come, I come to that from the total opposite perspective of, I have never gotten a repeat client from all of my years of doing chair massage. Oh no. And I will never do chair massage again. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, no. I... It's just it's just never led to anything for me. And I've done it for places where I've worked. Um, I've done it in all sorts of different events and 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 I just it just never it never was a thing that gave me any return. But we're talking, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago also. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely something to be said for getting your hands on people, you know, because mm-hmm. the moment that you touch somebody, they feel more comfortable with you. And I feel like that actually does make them more likely to book with you, you know? Um, but there's also a lot, I think there's more, there's more of an attitude of, I'm not going to give my services away for free now, but even if it was just a, a low cost chair massage, right? Like let's say five minutes, $5. That could work, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a lot. And, you know, 10 minutes, $10, like most, I think that's kind of the going rate for chair massage is like a dollar a minute, right? 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a little bit more, but even if you just did that five minutes, five bucks. And there are, and there are people who structure an entire business around uh, getting these corporate contracts where they take their chair to an office for a day or for so many days of the week and work on the employees. They get contracted through, you know, the company, the, the employer, and they hire them to come in and, you know, give their employees a five, 10 minute chair massage. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole, yeah. you can build a whole business around that if that's your, if that's your, your jam, you know? Yeah. Right. One of the things that I always thought about doing is going to apartment complex pools and local pools here in the summer and setting up my chair, you know, because how many people, like everybody would come, you know? Well, thinking, gonna- yeah. And the overhead is so low. You got to have your chair and you got to have a car to carry it around with. But other than that, like you're not paying office space, you know, you that could be a great way to start up is just keep your overhead low and get your hands on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I would, I would, I have to second, third, all of it <laughs> because uh, just, just in the education piece alone, we get, co- we're constantly getting called, can the students come out? Can the students come out? Can the students come out? And they want to pay. I mean, these businesses, they want to pay. We are like, no, it's okay. It's all your services. But from there, I mean, the students, their names are being known. And in my own experience doing chair massage, I, maybe they don't book with me, but their family member books or their spouse books, or they send their kid. I work, I worked with a lot of high schoolers and college students out of these events because the parents experience, they realize their child doesn't have to get undressed. Okay, fine. I'm going to have them come in and I know that they don't have this, it's this kind of session and that's what they're going to get. And so now I'm visiting these, these high school events. Like I'm going to the different high schools with a chair and not work just working on the staff, but working on these student athletes and they're, they're getting stress relief during finals week. And it's, it's super, it's fun. I have a lot of fun with it because you get to meet a lot of different people, but I also enjoy it because it's, it's a, it's a way to like impress upon them how, how quick stress relief can happen. Mm, Good point. Good point. And that's really what it is. It's in that five minutes, maybe they pay $5, maybe they don't. But now they've got to take, they've got a chance to experience your hands. They've got to know you as a person. And now they're like, wait, all I had to do was have somebody do this for like five minutes and I feel better. So it, I think it sells the value of not just you as a therapist, your work, but as a whole for what massage is. And that's why it it might not be that person that's on my chair, but they're going to give that to somebody else. And, um, a lot of my, my regulars came from that going out to like a nurse week. Nurses would come in, send their husbands, send their kids, send it's, it's, it's just a wonderful event and getting into like hospitals with that, man, they need it. <laughs> Especially yeah. now, those are the most stressed out people because of what they've had to deal with for the last two years. Right. Oh, God, and, I yeah. can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Can't even imagine. I can't tell you guys stories. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. Well, I think that was an awesome conversation. Um, How can our listeners find you guys? So William, let's start with you. How can they find you if they want to know more about you? Um, You can find me on Facebook. Um, You can add me as a friend if you want to. If you're not obviously a massage therapist, then I probably won't add you back. But um, I usually add all massage therapists who add me as a friend on Facebook. Um, you can find me in the Massage Business Owners Facebook group. 
as well as massagemarketingclub.com. Awesome. And April, how about you? Um, I have a uh, business page on Facebook and it's just my name. It's April Pilt. That's spelled P-I-L-Z-L-M-T. Links to my website are on there. Um, I'm also a member on Facebook of a group called Badass Body Workers. We have some great discussions on there as well. Yeah, that's a good group. All right, Camille, and how about you? Oh, I have to be found. Um, <laughs> you can actually <laughs> find me. I'm not that don't do a lot of social media presence, but I am a part of the Tucson Massage Therapist Group, um, focusing again mostly on the massage education. And so you can actually email me directly at camille.lang, L A I N G. So that's C A M I L L E dot L A I N G at carringtoncollege.edu. Um, or carrington.edu, it would be wonderful just to be able to share information or, or discuss things for the future that way. Uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm not advertising for business at this time. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome, you guys. Thank you so much. So that's a wrap for today's show. William, April, Camille, thank you so much for being here with me today. And thanks for listening to USOLMT Massage Podcast. This is your host, Stephanie, signing off until next time. See you again in two weeks with more special guests and educational entertainment. Thank you.